Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Before we get started with today's episode, we just wanted to let you know that if you are interested in trying audiobooks or have been eyeing an Audible membership, you can get two free audiobooks when you sign up for a free trial at bookriot.com audible. Most free trial offers for Audible only give you one download with your 30-day trial, but we're giving you two. Audiobooks are a great way to work more reading into your life, whether it's during your commute, while you're cooking, while you're at the gym, or whatever. So go to bookriot.com audible to sign up for your free trial and get two free audiobooks. You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 196, and today we are talking about books being released on February 19th, 2019, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Maria Christina Garcia Lynch, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Hello! Hello! It's like we just started talking, but actually I complained about my kittens (laughs) for like 15 minutes before we started recording this. If you're thinking about getting kittens, if you're out there and you're thinking like, oh, kittens sound cute, I should get some. I would be happy to talk you out of it if that's what you need. <laughs> also, I love them and I wouldn't trade them for anything, but oh my goodness. So they're, they're exactly like, like children. <laughs> yes. They're like velociraptor toddlers with just sharp claws and uh, just destruction everywhere. <laughs> so, And then someday they'll like sleep 20 hours a day and I'll be like, oh, remember when they were so cute and they used to break everything? Well, and also the sharp claws make their affection a little life threatening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they really like to climb up my back and like bite my hair. It's not cool at all. <laughs> it's like, ah, 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 ah. you know, you don't expect it. So, um, yes, that's basically all I talk about now kittens and books still, but mostly kittens. Um, but. This is exciting. It's actually kind of late at night. We didn't get to record when we normally do because you were not feeling well. I was not feeling well. Oh, yeah. Um, I had a a cold that turned into an eye infection in my left eye. Then it was an eye infection in both my eyes. And my vision only cleared up a couple days ago. And my... My throat still hurts, so I'm going to keep oh. I'm going to keep my picks pretty short. Oh, we're always a mess. <laughs> yeah, I think that's endearing, you know. Just but, like you know, you love your kitties. You gotta love us. We're <laughs> old and have yeah. migraines and colds, and it's true. <sighs> well, I am going to start talking about books do because it. I have read some. And they're amazing. Uh, Starting with The Care and Feeding of Ravenously Hungry Girls by Anissa Gray. Yeah, this is a Uh, good one. Before I start talking about it, I want to let you know trigger warning for discussion of child abuse and also for eating disorders. Uh, This novel is narrated by three sisters. The Butler sisters. There's Althea. There's... So, 
I did not know how to pronounce this because I didn't, it's viola or viola. I looked it up to say like, well, how do they say it if it's the name and not the instrument? And people are like, both ways. But there was one person who was super, super angry on the internet that people pronounce it like the instrument. So I'm going to pronounce it viola. And that's just going to have to be how we say it. So the three sisters are Althea, Viola, and Lillian. They are the Butler family. They also have a brother named Joe. When they were young, Althea was the oldest. She was, she was like in her late teens. And then uh, there's Viola and then Joe and Lillian was just a baby. Their mother died and they were left with their minister father who is very strict and a ter- not a good father at all. He, he used to beat them and he was hardly ever around. And eventually he just sent them to live with Althea. Althea left the house to get married to a man named Proctor and her father shipped the children over to her and she sort of took care of them for several years. And then one day... Her father was like, I want, you know, some of the kids back. You know, I'm ready to be a father again. And sort of, like, was a good dad to them in ways that he wasn't when the kids were younger. And so, like, Althea and and Viola sort of missed out on having a father, whereas Joe and Lillian experienced a man who was still sometimes very strict, but was, like, more generous and around more. Um, And they sort of resented that. Uh, So when the book starts, it first opens with Althea. She is talking uh, from jail. She and her husband, Proctor, have been arrested. They've been convicted of a crime, and they are in jail. I'm not going to tell you what they did, um, but she's in jail. Her, their twin daughters, um, Lily, uh, Baby Vi, and Kim, are living with Lillian. Now, Lillian is now living in the family home with the grandmother of her dead ex-husband and her anxious cat, and she's taking care of the twins. She's had them for two years since their parents were arrested. And in the beginning of the book, they've just been sentenced. And now they're waiting to find out, like, which prison they are going to be sent to. Um, and it, also Viola is, in her chapter, she has just separated from her wife. She is a therapist who works with young women who have eating disorders. But she herself uh, has been recovering from an eating disorder. It has relapsed. Uh, and so she's having a really hard time. And so she goes to visit Lillian and the girls. The girls are having an extremely hard time. Uh, They're picked on all the time. They're yelled at. The people in the town are very angry with their parents, and they are taking it out on the girls. And also, their mother won't see them. They want to visit her in jail, and she doesn't want the girls to see them, so they can only see their dad. Uh, So, And in the the alternating chapters, like Althea is... Uh, talking in her church group, and she's anxiously awaiting to find out, you know, which prison she's going to go to, and and the other prisoners are telling her, you know, like, oh, it won't be so bad if you go here, and she's, you know, thinking about the choices that she has made. We know that one of her family members turned her and her husband in. Uh, I'm not going to say which one, uh, but, you know, she's also thinking about that, like, the implications around that, Um, and it's sort of like a story about the damages that people inflict on each other, especially their loved ones. We know that something bad has happened to Lillian when she was young. Um, and we and we sort of learned that, like, not everyone is meant to be a parent. Not everyone is a good parent. And not everyone deserves forgiveness. You sort of have to do things for yourself, learn to forgive yourself. Um, it's very powerful in that way. And it reminded me a little bit of The Last Romantics, which I just recently read, because it was also about, like, four siblings who kind of had to raise themselves after the loss of a parent. But it also deals a lot with the effects of incarceration on a family. Like, you don't see that a lot. Like, in a lot of novels, um, people have a family member that is in jail. But, like, you don't really see, like, the actual effects on them when, you know, they are not responsible for anything that the jailed person has done. So it's it's really good. And 
if you are going to to read this, I do want to give you another trigger warning that there is very detailed descriptions of eating disorders and people uh, with them. So if that's something that that upsets you or bothers you, you might want to skip that. But it's just it was it was just fantastic. Um, I just sat down and sank into it, and I really enjoyed it. So again, it is the care and feeding of ravenously hungry girls by Anissa Gray. All right, um, and my first pick here is the source of self-regard: selected essays, speeches, and meditations by Toni Morrison, and this came out. February 12th, um, back when I could still see pretty well (laughs) enough to read. And uh, I had read Beloved back in college, and I haven't picked up another Toni Morrison since because, man, Beloved just totally wrecked me. And this was a nice reunion with her writing. And if it's been a while since you've read Toni Morrison or you want some bite-sized readings, then this is this is a great option because it is just a bunch of stuff that maybe you've come across here and there, like when they, they round up graduation speeches or there's an essay in a magazine that, that you're reading. It's, it's all of that collected here and, and it's, it's not as, as gut-wrenching as, as reading Beloved, for example. Um, but it's, it's still pretty, still pretty deep and beautiful because it's, it's Toni Morrison. So, um, that is the source of self-regard, selected essays, speeches, and meditations by Toni Morrison. I really want to read that. Yeah, it's nice. And, and, you know, because it's a bunch of little things you can dip in and out, too. So, it's good. Awesome. Speaking of little things you can dip in and out of, our sponsor today is Blinkist. Now, you know that I read a lot. But even as much as I read, I still feel like there are a million books that I do not have a chance to get to. And there are so many great nonfiction books out there that I have not had a chance to read. And Blinkist is the only app that condenses thousands of nonfiction books into the best key takeaways and need-to-know information, so you can read or listen to them in just 15 minutes. Eight million people are using Blinkist right now, and it has a massive and growing library from self-help, business, health, and history books. So Blinkist is like, you get sort of like the crib notes. And in, like, 15 minutes, you can learn all the information that you need about uh, a great book. They have The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, How to Win Friends and Influence People. They have Becoming by Michelle Obama. And so, like, I was thinking, you know, I would check this out because I've always wanted to know, like, what How to Win Friends and Influence People was about. I don't know that it's something that I would ever read myself, but, like, it might be fun to get an idea of that book. You know, they also have, like, A Brief History of Time by Stephen Hawking, which I have not read, but it would be fun to listen to, like, a description of it for 15 minutes, Um, you know, maybe while you're doing chores or going for a walk or something. So right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for all the books listeners. You can go to Blinkist.com slash all the books to start a seven-day free trial. That's Blinkist. It's spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. Blinkist.com slash all the books to start a seven-day free trial. That's Blinkist.com slash all the books. So we thank them for sponsoring. And now my next pick, 
another lovely, lovely novel. So many great novels all the time now. I'm just so happy. It's like, I hardly, like, I feel like I have read very few books that I have not enjoyed recently. Like, just everything is so good. Uh, so this next one is called Bangkok Wakes to Rain. It's by Pichaya Sunbantad. And it's a bunch of interconnected stories around Bangkok. There's a jazz pianist who has been invited to play for the house spirits in a mansion. He's sort of, he's like a jazz pianist in the age of rock. Like, rock is really popular coming up in the country. And he's having a, a hard time. He's missing someone terribly. And he's invited to go play at this mansion. He's like, where's my audience? And they're like, oh, it's the spirits of the house. And he's like, okay. Uh, there is a missionary doctor in the 19th century, Siam, who is trying to adapt to local customs uh, and he's missing New England terribly. He's from New England. Uh, there's a young man flying home to see his ailing father. Uh, there's violence at student protests. There's a young woman in Japan. Uh, she's making Thai dishes uh, while she's uh, remembering her family and her mother. And she's also worried about her sister who is involved in politics. There's a construction project at an abandoned home. There's so many things going on in this book. And it's just, like, this gorgeous novel. It's these lush descriptions of the country and, like, this ever-changing city filled with people who are full of longing and regrets and trying to rectify past mistakes and also just sort of, like, kind of lose themselves and forget about their pasts. And, like I said, these stories are all interconnected somehow. Um, it reminded me, like, a little bit of Cloud Atlas because mm. it's not exactly the structure where it's, like, you know, way in the past to into the future, but... It, it jumps around, but it's still, like, all these different stories that there's one in the future. There's, you know, one, like I said, the 19th century doctor. And it was just, it was amazing. Just so, so gorgeous. I really enjoyed it. So, again, it is called Bangkok Wakes to Rain by Pichaya Sunbantad. All right. Um, my next pick is The Study of Animal Languages, a novel by Lindsay Stern. Um, and, and this one also came out last week. Um, but this is, uh, it's, it's like, a a comedy of manners almost set in present day academia. There's a husband and wife who teach at the same Rhode Island college. Uh, Ivan is a philosopher whose area is, epistemology and he's married to Prue who is a biolinguist who is is coming up for tenure soon and she's when when the novel starts she's about to give a really big speech and how how well this this speech on campus is received will impact how likely she is to get tenure and she she kind of just has a a breakdown a little bit during this speech where she she says how uncomfortable she feels doing her research uh on on birds because she feels like she's she's hurting them in some way that it's it's unethical for her to to keep them locked up in order to study them and and Ivan just freaks out because he's he's obsessed with making sure his wife can get tenure. And th throughout the rest of the novel, he's freaking out about all the ways that that in his eyes she is self sabotaging 
her chances. Um, and then there's also trouble within their marriage. There's a, a hot young novelist who is in residence in the college, and and he's afraid that Prue is beginning to have feelings for him. Um, and then you've got Prue's dad, Frank, thrown into the mix too. Um, and he is he's a he's he's much less uh, critical of Prue than than Ivan is. He's much more supportive, but. Also, he has an untreated mental illness, and that causes problems in and of itself, um, which which Ivan is also somewhat responsible for since he's he's not making sure that Frank is taking his medication. Um, so it's uh, as especially as someone who escaped academia and and was rounded up into the Book Riot family, it's, it's a lot of fun for me to, to watch these academics kind of self-implode. Uh, and you might enjoy this book too. It is The Study of Animal Languages, a novel by Lindsay Stern. So I have two things to tell you. Oh, two. One. Yeah, two. One. It's funny you mention birds because also in Bangkok Wakes to Rain, there's like a whole section that's just about like the birds in the area, which was really cool. And two, you are more hip and with it than you realize because the study of animal languages actually comes out today. Wait, it does? Yeah. Oh man, I was I was ahead of of everything. I thought that I was just like, <laughs> oh man, I read this back back before my eyes my, my vision clouded <laughs> up, so it must have come out earlier, but Awesome. Nope. You're right. You're right on target. Uh, when you're good, you're good. <laughs> so my next pick is The White Book by Han Kung. It's translated from the Korean by Deborah Smith. You might be familiar with Han Kung. She wrote The Vegetarian, which was really great and weird. And also Human Acts was yeah. the last one. Oh, that was a trippy read. That was the one I, I didn't get to. But I did read this one. I actually, I got someone from the UK to send it to me several months ago uh, because I was too, like, impatient to wait for it. And it's a story told through descriptions of objects that are white. Uh, And some of them, like, you don't realize until she describes them that they're actually white. Like, some really beautiful things. Um, There's, like, one description on a page it might be like a paragraph it might be a couple paragraphs very few of them go more than a page um you know she talks about sugar cubes a handkerchief the moon sleet shroud and the narrator telling the story is sort of like talking about her own life they say this is the most autobiographical of hong kong's books so i don't know like how much of it is true but the narrator is in warsaw while she's telling this story, and it's a city of past violence, and she's talking about like distru- what comes out of destruction and death and the beautiful things that you can find. Uh, she's also talking about her sister. Her older sister only lived for two hours, and she's telling the story of the sights and sounds and objects that her sister would have known in those two hours. And also... Like, what she is experiencing as she's walking around the city, sort of discussing her life and what she's seeing. Um, it's just, it's, it's like a reading a book of poetry. So you don't really have to read it all at once if you don't want to. Like, you can read a couple of these pages and then set it down and pick it up again. It's really amazing. So again, it is called The White Book, and it's by Han Kung. 
Okay, and we are going to go ahead and go to my next pick, uh, which is Darwin, An Exceptional Voyage by Fabien Groyot and Jeremy Roy. Um, my French is terrible, but I tried. Um, and this is... This is a graphic novel interpretation of Charles Darwin's five-year journey with the HMS Beagle, the trip that that really kick-started his scientific career. Um, And the art in here is amazing, especially the full-page illustrations. My favorite shows a, a glacier in Chile, and I just... I want to rip it out and frame it. Uh, but it's, it's no surprise because Nobra, the publisher, always puts out stuff that is visually stunning. But the, the thing that makes this particular book exceptional is that although it takes several liberties with history in order to tell this story, the, the book acknowledges the parts of Darwin that are less than tidy, such as the way he he didn't like slavery while still definitely holding Western civilization far above indigenous lifeways. Um, and that comes across in the the actual text, the 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 text within the, the story, but there's also a brief appendix with some historical notes where they just come out and say like yeah he he was ahead of his time in some ways but in other ways his his thinking could have been way better than than it was um and charles darwin was was actually the subject of my my first book report um, when I was, when I was younger and I, I read like a kid's biography of him and, and it, 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 of course, probably because it was for kids, it was not nearly as, as nuanced as all of that. Um, and I know there are still a lot of people out there who think, uh, graphic novels, especially if they tell, tell a historical figures story or are something that's supposed to make an educational read more appealing to kids and uh you know a a, a kid could could read this i i mean that's it's very nice to flip through and and look at but but this is is also for adults um especially in the way that it does not gloss over those those parts of, of Charles Darwin that while he was an amazing person and went on this amazing journey, uh, he encountered a lot of indigenous people who who he he wrote about in in unflattering ways. Um, so it's it was it was really great for me to come back to a story about this person that I had encountered when I was like in fifth grade and then heard about in science classes and and really contextualize this this contribution to science um, with with this this person's experiences encountering native peoples. And I feel like I'm rambling right now because of my my cough medicine. So I'm going to go <laughs> ahead and just 
Stop right there. It's Darwin, An Exceptional Voyage by Fabien Groyot and Jeremy Roy. All right. So my last pick, um, I'm so glad that I read it last night because it turns out the book I was going to talk about now has been moved to April. It just happens to me all the time now. But now you're set uh, for April for one yes. title. Now I have another title for April. Um, but I read this last night and I really enjoyed it. It's called Death Prefers Blondes by Caleb Rorig and it's a YA heist novel. Uh, It's about a young woman named Margot Manning. She is a Californian teen socialite. She's famous. She's the subject of lots of gossip. You know, she gets into fights at clubs. She does crazy things. But also, there's lots of gossip about her that isn't true. But she's constantly in the headlines. Her father is like a gazillionaire. She lives in this big fancy fancy mansion. Fancy (laughs) mansion. And so she's really famous for being a socialite. But also, it turns out, she is the head of a high-stakes cat burglary ring. Uh, because why not? If you have all that money, why not use it to get all sorts of fancy gadgets to steal things from people? Um, She is part of this ring. She's the head of it with her four friends. They all dress in drag. Uh, Two of her friends are actually, they they do drag for a living, Um, and they all have their own reasons for being criminals. Because, you know, it's being a criminal is frowned on, even when it's glamorous and you have like a million dollars to play with toys. Uh, so Margaret's kind of doing it because she's acting out. She's like pretty mad at her dad. Uh, her mother left them when she was young and she lives in Italy now and she doesn't talk to Margot and she hates her ex-husband. And uh, so Margot's with her dad who's always busy working and she's sort of acting out. Um, and then there's another member of the group. He needs the money because his guardian has a drug problem and he's trying to get her into uh, a program. Uh, there are two brothers. Their father is in jail. Like I found it interesting that I read this book uh, right after I read the Karen feeding because it's also these two brothers, their father is in jail and they are being horribly treated by the town now where they're like outcasts because of what their father did. Um, and they need the money to sort of support themselves and pay their bills and, and their mother is not well. Uh, there, and then another member of the group, uh, he needs the money because he wants to stay in a dance academy. Um, he has very conservative parents and they don't know that he's gay and they don't enjoy that he wants to be in the dance academy and they sort of supported it but now they're changing their mind so he needs the money to to keep doing what he wants to do so they're kind of having a lot of fun doing this uh they're stealing artwork and you know repelling off buildings and stealing cars and they're like 16 and 15 and 17 years old and they're just having this great time but then they pull a heist that doesn't go so well it turns out the people that they robbed are much more dangerous than they realized. And at the same time, Margot's life takes a very serious turn and things go really wrong. And now she is out for revenge. It's just this sort of sassy, saucy crime romp. Uh, The dialogue is super snappy and fun. The relationships are sexy and playful. It's kind of like Clueless meets Mission Impossible, if that makes any sense. You're like if Veronica Mars was also Batman. Because it's like... (laughs) They just, like, she has all this, like, money, you know, to buy all these gadgets and do all these crazy things, like Batman, you know, and, and it's just, the yeah, inventions, like, some of the things that he came up with for them are really cool. I can't tell you the one that I like the most because it's a major plot point, but there's, like, something really inventive, um, and it just, and also, like, wraps up neatly at the end, but there is also the potential for a sequel. But it just goes by so fast. Like, I read it, and then I got to the end, and I was like, that was 448 pages? I was like, wow, that, that did not seem like that at all. So it's 
really fun. And it's called Death Prefers Blondes, and it's by Caleb Rorig. Yay! Yay! And, you know, that also sounds like something that, that will just take you back to your own high school days, running around with a yeah. sophisticated gang of criminals. Um, mm-hmm. I still have my cat suit. <laughs> And what's even more impressive is that you still have the flexibility to pull off crimes like that, but you <laughs> choose to use your powers for good. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> okay. My last pick is The City in the Middle of the Night by Charlie Jane Anders. And tell me, Liberty, this one came out last week, right? Yes, it did. Okay. Yes. Um. And this is a story set on January, which is not a month. It is a tidally locked planet. So half of the world always faces the sun and half of the world always faces deep space. Therefore, there's only a a narrow strip around the globe that is temperate enough to support human life without incinerating people or freezing people. Uh, and we, we, we aren't sure what exactly happened on Earth, but at some point the, the population of Earth got on a generational ship and went out to seek refuge and wound up on this planet. But humans are not alone on this planet, and there's an intelligent bunch of, I guess they're, they're arthropods who are in communication with one human named Sophie. And the novel follows Sophie and a nomad named Mouth in, in alternating points of view chapters as they grow into adulthood figuring out who they want to be and what kind of system they would like to exist in. Uh, In lots of ways, it reminded me somewhat of Octavia Butler's Xenogenesis trilogy, which I just read for the first time a couple weeks ago, um, in that you've got humans and an, an alien race trying to figure out how they're going to coexist together and in what ways they will be changed by each other. And also you have humans just just bringing out the worst in each other. But the, the story ultimately ends on a hopeful note. So, um, that is that was a that was a really engrossing read and it was The City in the Middle of the Night by Charlie Jane Anders. That's it for me. What are you reading next, Liberty? I have Wanderers by Chuck Wendig. I'm super excited to read this. It comes out in July. It's enormous. Uh it seems there seems to be a trend here with sleeping diseases. Like, there are a lot of books with, like, sleep maladies. This one is about uh, people who are sleepwalking. Shayna wakes up to discover her little sister in the grip of a strange malady, and she's sleepwalking, and it looks like uh, she's on her way to some sort of destination that only she knows, but since she's sleepwalking, she can't tell her, her sister, so her sister kind of follows her, and it looks like a bunch of other sleepwalkers join them, and they're, like, a big flock of them headed to some place that the people who are awake don't know. 
and they need to find out like what is causing this. Oh. So it looks really fun. My little brother used to sleepwalk and and like my mom would wake up in a panic because she'd hear the garage door opening and she'd have to be like, What is he doing? It's a, it's a serious thing. Like, I remember being young and, and a friend's brother who, like, got in the car. He just learned how to drive. He got in the car and, like, drove to the end of their driveway and, like, oh fell asleep. Gosh. That's, like, a scary thing. The the gentleman who wrote um, The Feather Thief at the beginning in the introduction, he talks about falling off a balcony oh. and being grievously injured because he was sleepwalking. And so, I mean, it's a serious, a serious thing. I, I, it's just, I've always been fascinated by it. Um, the brain is a strange, strange, strange thing, as I've learned for myself recently. <laughs> uh, what are you going to read next? Well, it's funny that you mentioned this this trend of sleep disorders, because I have not gotten around to reading Karen Thompson Walker's The Dreamers yet, and it was what I'm planning on picking up next now that <gasps> now that my vision is is clearer. <laughs> Oh, I loved that book. I know. Everyone's saying amazing things about it, so I'm going to dive in. Fantastic. Well, that is all for today. Thank you to our sponsors, Audible. You can go to bookriot.com slash audible to sign up for your free trial and get two, that's two free audiobooks. And thank you to Blinkist, B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. Go to Blinkist.com slash all the books to start your free seven-day trial. You can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com. You can tell us your sleepwalking stories. Uh, you can find us online. I'm on Twitter. I'm Miss Liberty. Maria Christina is Meowy Christina. That's M E O W Y C R I S T I N A. And if you want to give us a treat, you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating or review. It helps other book lovers to find us. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books out today, we just don't have the time, but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And in the meantime, happy Happy reading. reading!